0: Yeah, I guess I want to welcome yourself, James, onto the podcast, man. It's been a uh, been a while trying to make it come to life. I know you've been a busy man. Last time I think I seen you on Instagram shooting out of a helicopter and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I would have chose a helicopter over jumping on the podcast for sure. But um, I'm sure most of the listeners, dude, are going to know or probably should know about your work and stuff like that. But to the people that don't, man, can you give them a bit of insight into uh, yeah where you're located and what you do?
1: Yeah, yeah, pleasure to be here, mate. Uh, well, I shoot mostly weddings. That's probably ninety-five percent of my business now. I'm based out of Perth. Did do a fair bit of like interstate, international work once upon a time, but pretty, pretty happy to keep it local these days. WA is working like a well-oiled machine through this COVID scenario. So, yeah, I've got a little studio in Burswood which is pretty central. It's a bit of a ghetto, a bit of a hood. It's a it's a rat with a gold tooth. Yeah, you know, our studio it's a bit of a bit of a landmark there. It's got some really nice street art out the front, and yeah, I share it with uh, my mate Paul Jarvis who runs Perth Pro Lab. So yeah, it's a good little collaboration there. We've been mates for about twenty years. Oh. So yeah, no, it's great.
0: I want to ask a question in the studio then, James. I'm just straight into it, man. Like, I mean, you're a one man team, is that right? Pretty much from what we see with the weddings, or? Yeah,
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's why I just operate under my own name. Yeah. Did try and expand once upon a time and had um, some associate shooters. And, I mean, we all need help. So, Mm. I lean towards outsourcing stuff more than kind of having in-house help. Mm -hmm. But my partner, Olivia, well, she's pretty much 50% of the business. But, you know, we keep it separate. She shoots her own weddings, but she'll often... Yeah, second cool. shoot for us or, um, yeah. Take the occasional wedding, or, you know, if we're double booked or whatever, Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Pretty much me. Pretty much. Me, yeah, dude.
0: me. Then I want to ask then like, what was the decision to work in a studio alongside your mate rather than just kind of like, yeah, do it out of the home. Like most of us.
1: Well, I started that way I and mean, then there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, my house just wasn't suited for it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty small. Olivia has got her own gig as well. Like she's a, a composer. So she needs a bit of space and, and she's taken up the office basically at home for that. And I was working for about 12 months out of that little room in the house and it really blurred the lines between, yeah, work and pleasure, I suppose. So I figured that I need, needed some boundaries. Things were, I don't know, slacking off a bit in that regard, like, that's you know, pretty easy to get distracted yeah. at home or whatever, or, you know, just maybe start work at midday and, mm. you know, maybe work till midnight, which isn't super healthy depending on how you play it. But, uh, yeah, I think at that point I just needed a little bit of bit of help or someone, you know, I guess when you share a space, you, you're a little bit accountable. You can't just do whatever you want. So it gives you a bit of structure, mm. uh, which, which I think has created, we can tend to need at times, you know, because things can get a bit, bonkers with the way that we operate you know and having that separation from home you know mm. gave us some structure
0: so wait, let's jump back a bit i was looking through your personal work and stuff and i see a lot of surf stuff is this where kind of like photography grew for you man
1: yeah yeah it did that was really the, the first and the original fascination with like the still image yeah started surfing or bodyboarding at a, at a pretty young age and I think it's, it's a little bit ego-driven, you know, the photography in that industry because you kind of, you know, you want to be in front of the lens uh, as much as yep. being behind it was fun. You, you kind of want to show off to your mates and see you get the biggest <laughs> wave and, you know, seeing if you can kind of emulate what you see in the magazines and, or, you know, you document, you know, the, the epic waves that you find. But it, it was all based around adventure and, and, you know, a friendly competition, I suppose. But, yeah, that fascination definitely came from surfing. Yeah, wow. So there's still, still a passion there. I don't do it as much as I'd like to anymore. Other things have taken over. But, yeah, this freezing, you know, the moving ocean, is it, pretty fascinating because you don't really get to witness it in its frozen motion. So, mm. you know, having, like, not one drop of water out of place, you know, it's just it's pretty, pretty cool as well as being a wild experience. Mm. So, and
0: then how did, uh, how did weddings come aboard? Well, I guess there was a big transition
1: from you know, the surfing and the fascination with photography there through you know, lots, of, lots of study at uni. Well, I, I broke my arm surfing and that was the clincher to kind of you know, push us into studying photography because I couldn't really do the, the manual labour that I was doing at the time. So I went back to uni, studied photography. I got a job with a local portrait studio. And they, they flirted with weddings at the time. I mean, they started off as a wedding studio, went portraits, and then while I was there, they tried to cycle up their weddings again and that became a bit of an interesting challenge and it seemed to tick a few creative boxes because, I mean, I like shooting portraits and I like shooting, you know, fashion stuff and I really enjoyed photojournalism, you know, through my studies. I thought I was, you know, going to be a photojournalist and change the world or whatever and that's for me that's what that was what pure photography was 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 pj stuff and weddings kind of ticked a lot of those those areas like it can be kind of portraiture you know it's kind of a little bit it's got fashion elements you know there's still life to it and then there's reportage you know there's that, that photojournalism storytelling you know approach that you can take to weddings and that combination of all those things you know was a good fit for me and you know rather than being stuck in the studio and shooting families day in day out you know you you get to go and and meet lots of people and you know really have to think on your feet you come across like so many different lighting situations that you can use it's the never changing beast you know while the, the narrative might be similar everyone's personal stories are different and their characters are different and the way that people respond to you and your instruction and directions, all different. So it, it posed a, quite an interesting creative challenge, which I guess I, I gravitated to and, and took to. It's kind of worked out all right for us.
0: <laughs> and so going back, man, you, you said you studied. So was that like, did you study at university photography or what was that?
1: Yeah, correct. It was um, a Bachelor of Creative Industries. Um, I double majored in film and video and, and photography.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The film, fell away pretty quick for me, I guess, you know, having to rely on other people where, you know, video, I mean, people are pretty amazing and they do a lot themselves these days, but I guess the way that we are approaching it was you'd need a bit of a team. Mm -hmm. You'd also need a script and, you know, they were just things that I couldn't come across easily or, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't particularly like relying on other people. Um, Whereas the photography, you could be everything, you know, you're the writer, you're the director, you're the DOP, you know, you're the gaffer and you can operate in those roles pretty quickly. So I went, bugger it. I don't want to rely on anyone else. I just want to do it myself. <laughs> and and the photography side of it kind of won out in that regard.
0: Nice, man. And then how long have you been running James Simmons for? Um, I went
1: out on my own, it must have been almost be 10 years now.
0: So from the, James, from the style we see now, man, which is like, Next level. Like I am a massive, massive girl fan of your work. I make you blush, bro. But from like what we see now, obviously going back eight to ten years time, we probably don't see what that was. Like if I said to you, could you explain what your work was like when you first started to what it's like now? <coughs> is <laughs> just laugh through it
1: <laughs> yeah 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 if oh, well if I wasn't laughing I would cry <laughs> no I think I, well, I went out on my own after working for another mm. studio for five years so I'd certainly done my apprenticeship yes and I felt like I had enough of a individual style to back myself in like i, I didn't I didn't jump into business willy nearly yeah uh, it took me a probably a good 12 months of planning and then another 12 months of transition. Out of that studio, like I had a lot of bookings and stuff, but I deviated from the, the studio's ideal of what a wedding should mm-hmm. look like. They very much were in a traditional place. You know, I think when I started, that that only just changed over to digital from shooting film. So there was a lot more structure and a lot more of a rigid shot list yep. for their approach, which is which is great, and it gave gave me a good backbone. Of what's you know important and, and what sells, uh, especially for the older generation. But then there's a transition into more of the, uh, I guess more more of an artistic base, but more of a photojournalistic look that digital allowed people to capture. So you know that's what the way I was leaning. You know, and at that time, you know, you kind of had like Jonas Peterson, Dan Day, Sam Blake, mm-hmm. and the McGaws, you know, Todd and Lads, kind of doing stuff that was quite a bit different. And I, I think I aligned myself in, in that direction a bit more. And, yeah, it took a little bit of time to kind of deviate from what had been drummed into me as yeah. a really traditional kind of take and to shift into something that I enjoyed photographing. I mean, that's a long answer and probably didn't really get the answer no Years ago, my work was shit, let's face it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so what about, what would you say then, mate, like to the photographer now that looks at your work and just like, man, like how do I do that? Like how do you use light like that? Like what would you say to them? Do you, do you say that it's like in them all the time, they have that creativity or yeah, what would you say to those type of questions?
1: Oh, like any skill and craft, you know, it, it needs to be developed over time and it's, it's never just the technical. Things, I think it runs deep into you know your your own philosophies and your personal taste. I think you know if you surround yourself with with stuff that you you enjoy and and like, your, your taste will will tend to go that way. And I guess the aesthetic that you're trying to produce, you can tailor technically to get those results. So you know it's a lot of reviewing and retesting or, or just pushing yourself to either change up what you do or refine what you do or, yeah, you definitely need to look at your work with a critical eye and and see where it needs to change and just understanding what technically needs to change to get a different result would be and then having the balls to be like, all right, I'm going to use this lens now instead of Mold Faithful to try and get a different result or I'm going to look for this particular type of light to get a uh, a different Mm. result. But that definitely comes from your influences first and then, you know, you can refine how you implement it on a wedding day or, or when you're shooting.
0: Do you feel as though f- for you, James, that it was like there was a one time like that you can recall where you made like a pretty dramatic switch that was kind of like, you know, you seem very consistent with your style and your lighting and your approach and your creativity that from what I see, but do you, is there something that comes to mind where it was like, like, I really made the switch at this point because of something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think early on, like when I was shooting for the other studio, you know, like there was uh, the influences were definitely more traditional or stylized, mm. I suppose. I mean, there's a place for all these things. It, it comes down to like what you see as is, is being valuable. But I went from shooting on old Zooms and using like off camera flash. You know, like having an assistant carrying around a softbox, you know, like sort of hectic yeah. stuff. <laughs> we, I mean, which still it's got so a sure. and people still do it and, and they kick ass and, to be fair, like, you know, people are tearing the back end out of that. Mm. But, you know, more hassle than I found that it yep. was worth and I enjoyed the freedom of shedding the extra gear, getting rid of that big softbox, losing the big heavy zooms and yep. switching to primes. So that that was a technical choice which was based around a preferred aesthetic that I wanted to to hit. So that was probably the most monumental one and the one that I've stuck with today is like I still shoot all primes and will rarely whip out the flash, um, only if completely necessary, you know, like if if you're stuck and you can't use natural light um, or like, you know, receptions or whatever, like the, the old flash will come out. But even then, like, I'm not shooting through a softbox or anything like that. You know, yep. I'm just using that the hard light for a bit more drama. And I guess, yeah, so that's probably the main thing.
0: I mean, I know I'm going to get this question. Like, what systems and that are you shooting on these days and what's your preferred, like, focal lengths and how to use them during the day?
1: Yeah, I use all Canon gear. So I'm on the R5s, so I've got a couple of those. And, well... Slowly transitioning into the the RF lenses. I've got the fifty mil, which is like my favourite lens, like favourite lens length, favourite prime. And I'd usually use a twenty four mil as well on the second body. So ninety percent of the day, or well, eighty to ninety percent of the day, I'll be twenty four and fifty, and then might switch to the eighty five for a ceremony if you know if it's not too cramped. It's you got the big space at the front or whatever. I'll, I'll switch to the 85, and then at receptions, you know, for sniping, I might be on the 85 as well because it's quite nice and fast. But yeah, those three lenses are basically the only ones I ever use.
0: Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. I love it. Uh, Appreciate that. Hey, um, jumping into your personal work as well now, James. Like, t- tell us about your personal work. Do you think, like, a lot of photographers I interview and stuff like that they a lot seem to say like their personal work is their creative output. Like we see your work and it's so creative and it stands out a lot. Do you believe that like, because you have shot personal work before that allows you to experiment on weddings because you've experimented outside of stressful situations or something like how did yeah, this come about, and I see like things from like ISO life to looks like film doco to photojournalism, and maybe Bangladesh or somewhere I'm not sure. But yeah, tell us all about your personal stuff, man, because it's incredible.
1: Well, that's where it all started. You know, that was where the love of photography really was built in just you know shooting for yourself and exploring different techniques on how to capture beautiful images or whether it's the engagement or whether it's the technical side of it, that's where the where the practice really starts. I mean, you don't want to be practicing on a wedding. <laughs> you know, it took me a, a really long time to, you know, even even like talk about my weddings as being, you know, something that's personal. Mm. But early on, I loved photojournalism side of it. I didn't go down that path and and work as a photojournalist, but that approach to shooting was the way that i kind of shot a lot of personal things in a pretty stylized way but with minimal gear like it was usually um, just a wide angle lens like a little dinky tripod um, and i'd only ever had one flash on me as well so i had to make do with like minimal gear which was good to have that r- like restriction
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they've like i i yeah did a whole bunch of this multi-layered uh, exposure stuff and would and bring it together in Photoshop uh, similar to you know what Gregory Crudson would do um, albeit not on 108 film with a like film set crew sorting out everything but um, you know that idea which you can focus on you know accenting the light that hits the couch and then photograph that and then you know take your single light and highlight something else and then you know and then something else and then work with the people and, and you know light them individually and then kind of bring it together afterwards. So very heavily stylized and worked in Photoshop, but made to look, you know, pretty authentic and natural. But also to tell, you know, a, a proper like an authentic story was was the key. And we're gonna continue that on this year, hopefully um with some fishes, maybe the Brulis Islands or Wedge Island. But, yeah, look at these people's connection with their their environment or their their shacks, their coastal shacks and the way that they live. So, you know, shooting that stuff has definitely 100% influenced, you know, what I think is now achievable at a wedding, even though we're not like shooting kind of HDR, like Mm -hmm. blended stuff at weddings. But, you know, working with that light, working with those people definitely informs you know the way that you can look at a scene and approach a shot. So yeah, I mean another series that I did, which really helps inform my wedding work, was um, was based around shooting this medium format camera. I think it's called it's the Mamiya Pro TL, and there's a 80mm lens. It's uh, and it's like f 1.9, so it's like one of the faster medium format lenses you can get. And I, I just really wanted to see what it, would look like if I just mm. shot really honest portraits as close as I could focus, you know, to really maximize that crazy medium format depth of field. And it really took me into people's personal space. So it taught me how to like build rapport quickly, work quickly, and also refine the way that I like look for nuances in, in, in people's expression and reaction. Cause I limited myself to like two shots maximum. So, like, had to find focus and get the timing right with people's, you know, facial expressions, and, and try and try and get something that's much better than just a simple smiley portrait, mm. but also operate in that space which is quite invasive. Um, yeah, so for that's, sure.
2: That's,
1: that's definitely helped on weddings. So it almost makes you feel invisible sometimes. You, mm. you know, like you can just work in and just get in there and get out, and people don't even realise what you've done. You
0: know, and and with these personal projects. You sound like you're still active with them. You said you've got one that you're hoping to continue going through. Do you still kind of like actively pursue personal projects and and try and brainstorm ideas that you're passionate about? Like, is that still something that's kind of turning or is the wedding so busy that you kind of put that on the backseat or how does that look?
1: Yeah, we've had a few ebbs and flows um, early on in the career. I, I was just all about my personal work. And I guess as the business built momentum, it fell away and all, all of my effort and concentration were going into the business and, and shooting weddings and to be honest like we were shooting so much that the last thing i wanted to do was pick up a camera mm-hmm. on my day off so that yeah the personal work kind of fell away a little bit you know and, and i do do personal stuff in dribs and drabs and they were often just just for fun like the you know, the shooting shooting surf stuff like for me that was just something to do like that was fun. Like I never was trying to make it the world's best or like have an exhibition or like try and shoot for magazine covers or whatever. That was literally just so I could go for a swim in the ocean and have a bit of fun doing it. So yeah, a lot of the personal projects have got their place, you know, whether they're just for personal satisfaction, a bit of an outlet, you know, some of it never sees the light of day because to be honest, it's kind of shit. So,
0: (laughs) James, how do you come up with the ideas for your personal projects man? Yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll think that
1: I've, I've got no ideas and then sometimes I've, I've got like so many ideas that you just can't settle on doing one or like seeing how it would come to life. The the one that I'm going to pursue this year has, has been, you know, sponsored by or helped along by Canon. Um, they've got behind us with a bit of production on it. So they're backing us in and which has given us a really good, free pass at you know pushing myself to do a bit more personal work which is awesome but yeah for a long time i've always thought i've never been really that creative i still don't see myself as being overly creative so yeah the 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 personal work sometimes is a bit thin on the ground for me because like if i don't have a solid idea i I won't really just want to go and shoot like i want it to mean something and say something Mm. and that sometimes is a barrier to just going out and shooting and, and often the, the best ideas or the best results happen when you kind of free yourself of that that um, pressure and and just you just start shooting something mm-hmm. and then you look back and you go, oh, maybe we could go in this direction with it or we could try that next time and, and then it gives you something to follow through in and, you know, you can use that first shoot as a bit of a test shoot to see how you can refine it and make something of it. so. I mean, that's the other way to look at it as well.
0: And are you doing most of your personal stuff or previous personal stuff? Is this mostly on film? I mean, you mentioned your memory. Are you doing most of it on film? Some of it looks like film and digital to me, but like, yeah, can you let the listeners know when they jump on the uh, Instagram tag that I'm going to hook out to you, let them know what you're kind of using?
1: Yeah, yeah. A lot of my personal work is film. Um, I found that a really good separation from the business or from work. And, you know, it's a a completely different process. So you slow down, you're a bit more methodical and you send it to the lab and you get your results back. You don't have to spend hours in Lightroom sifting through images and editing. So a lot of my personal works film. Some of the more kind of high-end technical stuff is still digital, like the the multi-layered, you know, kind of inside shots. But yeah, I mean, I've got, tools for lots of different jobs, really. But, yeah, personal is probably more 90% film.
0: And then um, what film cameras are you using these days? <laughs> you like, I got none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I've, I've got cabinets that need to be filled with them. They're just all around. Well, what what would be your uh, your go-to? So probably my favourite camera is my Leica M3. It's a 35mm. Um, I usually just shoot that black and white Ilford film stock. And then, yeah, my Mamiya 645 Pro TL, like medium format, that's my other go-to. Uh, but I've just picked up a Canon EOS 3. Yeah. So that's that's the old film camera that had eye tracking.
0: Wow. I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eye tracking. Canon bring,
1: bringing out their R3, maybe end of this year or something like that. And mm-hmm. Actually, don't quote me on that at all. <laughs> Who knows? No yeah. one even knows it Canon, when it's coming. But, yeah, so the R3 is going to have eye tracking, albeit quite souped up compared to the old film camera one. But, you yeah, know, the, the EOS system um, is great because I can stick all my old EF lenses on it and get yep. a bit more use out of them, whack on the old 50, and uh, yeah. shoot some <laughs> portraits with it. So, yeah, I'm going to use, use that from uh, for the next personal project as well.
0: I want to ask a question. Um, going back to your wedding stuff, and I know you are—you said you don't feel like you're the most creative person, or, or whatever um, was explained there. But I guess a, a straight to the point question is like, I know you shoot a lot of weddings. You've definitely shot a lot over the ten years plus that you've been doing it, man. Do you feel as though you always have the opportunity to create something? And this is more or less along the the terms of creativity, not necessarily along the point of like nice imagery or, or something that means something to a client. But from what we see, we know you know sometimes a lot of stuff is curated, like very very heavily, to show obviously what we want to shoot and these these kind of bangers. But, like, from an honest opinion, do you feel as though you always have that opportunity with the eye that you have now?
1: Uh, always. Um, I mean, always in, into those situations with an open mind that there is the opportunity to create something that's, you know, kind of uniquely yours. Mm. But, you know, some days it's hard enough just getting an okay shot, mm. like just getting the, the stuff for them, you know, like making sure you get a photo with the bride and her mum. And even if it is just looking at the camera and smiling, trying to make that a nice version of that shot, you know. So I've, I've learned not to be too hard on myself. If, you know, we enter a wedding day and, and you know, we don't have the God rays of sunshine like bearing down and, and making things look completely epic or, you know, if we're shooting in a location that's not really conducive of nice wide expanses, just making do with what you've got is a, a big enough creative challenge sometimes. So, yeah, I've learned not to be too hard on myself if we're not, you know, creating the best image we've ever made at each wedding, mm. but still trying to do the right thing by the people and work uh, as hard as as we can to create something that's, that is still really good. So, yeah, you know, like we're always looking for things and always wanting to create stuff, but sometimes, you know, you've just got to do the best you can with what you've got.
0: Man, it's, be- it's so beautiful to hear. I mean, I- I've always been a fan of your work. And yeah, sometimes we, I mean, what we see from others, what they're creating, we're just always thinking, you know, this person just constantly creating like, wow, wow, wow. But it's so beautiful to hear that like we're all human. And and sometimes we're put in situations where we just we just have to do the best of what we got. And at least you you walk away from that scene knowing that you did did what you could. Hey, you know, I think that's really really yeah. uh, the right thing for all couples but i want to stay on um stay on your creativity man during portraits you know with a, with a couple in the bridal party what's your kind of workflow with that like do you do clients understand that james is going to have a bit of like play and and using things that people are probably like what neon sign behind me that's kind of weird where's the lie i don't get it why am i standing in this like little pocket thing here. Like how's your workflow normally go with um like the bridal party and, and the couple on the on a wedding day? Um well
1: it all starts from the in the initial meeting to be honest. Like it's I need buy-in from couples. Um so I always mention to people that I need people to be uh, willing to participate and that's all I need from them. That's like I, I ask everyone just to be willing. Because if you've got, like, uh, it happened to me early on in my career where I had a few people that were quite resistant yep. of my instruction or direction or, or you know, the way that oil was working. And just, like, how do you how do you get a good shot if people mm-hmm. aren't willing to, 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 you know, it's a, so I explained to couples that it's a collaboration, so they they still need to put in a little bit of time and effort. Although I say that the effort, you know, I kind of mentioned that it's the processes should be enjoyable. Like, it's going to be fun. Like, we have banter. Muck around and just let them know that they need to be willing to, you know, laugh with each other, laugh at each other, laugh at my shit dad jokes. And that helps create that, I guess, the, well, it, you manage people's expectations that way. So I try and give them as much insight into the way that I shoot first so they feel like they understand the process. And when people have, are empowered with knowledge, they feel like they're in control. I mean, it's all facets of life. If you don't understand something, Mm -hmm. how do you sit comfortable with it? Like it feels like it's out of control because you just don't understand it. So uh, uh, arm them with the way that I work. So explain it to them in great detail and we'll talk about the instructions that I give them. Like I'll start off with like loose direction and see how people interpret that and let them know that it's okay to do the wrong thing or get mixed up because that can create something new and unique to them Mm -hmm. because I'm looking for like natural expression and interaction all the time. So even when I'm instructing people, I'm like, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, just move yourself. So I get that buy-in at the very start and then I'll bring everyone along with them. So like I I try and make a big point of of talking to both people in the couple, you know, so we've we've got buy-in from both parties. And then the bridal party will generally, you know, toe the line to do the right thing on the day for their friends. So I'll always start with with bridal parties like group shots and stuff because you can kind of bounce off that energy and yep. it's a good way to ease into it. So, you know, yeah, the, the experience is shared and they can all feel awkward as shit together or whatever and <laughs> joke about it, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I'll, I'll generally just look for... Decent backdrop with the nicest line I can find, get a couple of safe shots and then loosen up the interaction. So, you know, you know, get them, they might be they might have their own banter or we might have to prompt it and throw some one-liners at them or whatever it is, or get them moving, you know, we move between spaces. You know, generally when people are moving through spaces, things will look a bit more candid as well. And, you know, just work with the groups like that. Uh, and once we've kind of nailed those group shots, usually i will send the, the rest of the crew back to the reception or, yeah, hopefully they can just bugger off and give us a bit of privacy. People open up much more easily if there's not, you know, as many people watching on. And, you know, how boring is it, like, for bridal party if they're just hanging out waiting for, for their sure. friends to have their photos? Like it. I mean, time goes so quick for me because mm. we're working our asses off. Um, but for the bridal party, man, that's got to be yeah. painful. AF, you know. Um, so always just send them back so they can they can do whatever they want and enjoy their experience. And then I can work with the couple and they can have their own private fun, you know, with each other, focus on each other, you know, and then I can facilitate their experience a little bit. You know, I like to see what comes from people naturally, but then sometimes it also I find that it needs a little bit of prompting, you know, because, you know, I mean, how awkward is it having your photo taken? Like, I don't know that many people yeah. that just go, yeah, fuck fuck you. I love having my photo <laughs> taken. And no yeah. clients will say that either. You know, like 99% of people hate having their photo mm-hmm. taken. So, you know, there's always, like I always tell people that you're going to feel awkward, but then they're not the parts that I'm photographing. It'll just yep. be a cue for me to jump in there and free it up, maybe get them moving or, or give them some more instruction but, you know, like I don't try and overpose people, but some people just need the direction as well. So I'll see what works for people. Nice. And, you know, if you, if they've got their own thing going on, that's going to be better than what I can instruct anyway yeah. because it's coming naturally. If people are awkward as shit and they're looking for me for instruction, that's where I'll jump in and be like, yeah, you guys just stand there, turn this way, whatever, hug each other.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: at the end of the day, like I can, I can put people in a position in the light, in the, with the backdrop, but the face needs to sell it. Yeah. So that's got to be either extracted from them, or you know, come from them naturally. So that's when I'll you know work in a way that either gives them a distraction from what I'm doing, and and get them to think about each other in an interesting way, or like I ask some random questions about each other, so they have to think about each other, and then you know, whatever the answers are. You know, there's generally mm-hmm. some good connotation or banter that evolves from you know the answers to those questions. But it's impossible for them to feel self-conscious while they're thinking about their partner. And then it it's also it's really hard to be concerned with what I'm doing yeah, nice. while they're focused on the other person. So if you can get them to engage in an interesting way, mm. all of a sudden the, the the reaction and emotion on their face will be natural. So that's the last little piece of the puzzle. And, you know, my couples understand that when they're going into the shoot and often, you know, before the portrait shoot, I'll, I'll run over some of those points again and just let them know how it's going to roll so they, they know that they don't have to stand stiff and they know that they can have a bit of banter. I mean, some people need to be reined in a little bit, even if they've got too much banter, you know. Like trying to take a photo of someone while they're talking, just forget it. Mm. Like that, that's yeah, <laughs> it just looks awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes I will just be like, all right, just need a quiet moment now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. In other words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then um, what what do you say? I appreciate you answering that, man. It's so um, yeah, it's so good to hear like your process and and all of our own processes as well. But what do you say to the photographer that like? Yeah, like struggles with the creativity, man. We've, we've touched on personal projects and how you use them to spark creativity and give you that. But like, what do you just say to someone that looks at their own work and is just like, man, like I'm just not happy where I am. What do I need to do? Yeah, like, I guess... Um, do you
1: have any tips for them? You probably need, need to figure out what is your preferred a- aesthetic when it comes to the work that you do. I mean, as much as you don't want to be looking at other people's work and going, oh, I want to shoot like that, I mean, sometimes it's it, it can be a good guide, like if you're totally mm. lost or just starting. I mean, the benchmark coming into photography now, the benchmark's so high, you can jump in at a pretty high level and be like, I like the way that that guy's shooting. And you mm. can break it down technically and figure out, how to go about it technically? I mean, it's not good to just copy other people's work. I mean, you, I think for business longevity, you, you need to really etch out your own thing. But if you interrupt in a rut creatively, I mean, it's one of the hardest things to get yourself out of. Like, I think we, we all struggle. I, sh- I still struggle with it. I don't think there's a definitive answer on how to snap yourself out of it. I think it kind mm. of ebbs and flows a little bit. I think you know when we feel like we're stuck, we've probably just refined where we're at. So we've we've gotten to a level that where you know we can do consistently and you're kind of looking for the next thing. So there's nothing wrong with just doing what you're doing. But you know, you you can't as a creative, you can't help but feel Mm. stuck because you know you're not maybe pushing for that next thing. But you know, it it eventually comes, you know, and I think with what you feed yourself, you know, it can can inspire. know something else but at at the end of the day i mean you you can really only work with what you've got but you know you can also bring elements of you know whatever stuff you found with your personal work you know into it and try different things you know the amount of times i've taken a weird camera to a wedding to try and inspire something different or you know an interesting little light that we go oh we might pull this out or you know you you don't want to make your work too gimmicky either with like you know I mean, a like people are sticking crystals and stuff in front of their lenses, mm. and, which is which is cool for an aesthetic, but, you know, what's it saying is, I think, you know, the basis of it. Mm. But I think if you're trying to be creative, I think that's probably the wrong goal. I think you need to be able to – you can break it down into smaller chunks, I think, like trying to like – instead of trying to have a new style, that style is such a heavy, big, loaded word – you know, you can break it down into the things that um, mm. can influence your aesthetic, you know, and then you can look at it instead of being creative, you can go, oh, you know, I can be a technician here and problem solve, you know, like what bit of kit or what light or like how do I interact with the people to get a, you know, a different different look or, um, you know, this is, you know, this background is what we've got, this is the light that what we've got, like, you know, what results can we, you know, achieve and and just be a bit more of a problem solver and a technician to work that out. And the end result can be you know, hugely creative. But at the time you're really just problem solving and working with what you can control. And it's it's I guess it's the way you, you have to look at what's creative. I think being creative and, and having a style it kind of comes with a lot of a lot of fluff and you know it, it looks like you know, it, it's the wine compared to the wine making. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into the end result, where it's like style and creativity it's, can be looked at as, as the beautiful product at mm. the end, but you know, you don't see the, all the shit that comes before it. So, yeah, it, you just have to work at it. Just got to flex those creative muscles and keep them mm. working.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I love that hearing that. Like I remember speaking to Gabe Michelin talking, he was like, man, you can't fast track time. We're doing this for 15 years or whatever. And he's like, man, you can do everything you can to like give yourself a head start, but like, you will develop as you develop, like going through puberty pretty much like you will develop you and um we all ride those ups and downs, but I think it's a beautiful way to finish off today, James. Um Man, it's been an absolute honor, man. I know we waited a, a month or a couple months. We've been in contact for man, but yeah, you, you inspire me. You inspire so many. I know your work's incredible, man, from the outside and yeah, your personal work. It's definitely inspiring to see this new age of um, personal work that you're now producing alongside canon and stuff like that man so i'll link out to um yeah your personal work and your website and your wedding work and stuff like that man and um yeah just want to say thank you so much for jumping on bro
1: thanks for having us man and likewise do I, I really enjoy what you're doing eh? i produce such beautiful work
0: pleasure man thanks for again for being here bro